0: chapter eleven of monsieur Le Coq, part two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by tony oliva monsieur Le Coq by emile gaborio part two chapter eleven during the decisive moments of life when one's entire future depends upon a word or a gesture twenty contradictory inspirations can traverse the mind in the time occupied by a flash of lightning on the sudden apparition of the young marquis de maurice d'escorval's first thought was this how long has he been there has he been playing the spy has he been listening to us what did he hear his first impulse was to spring upon his enemy to strike him in the face and compel him to engage in a hand-to-hand struggle the thought of marie-anne checked him he reflected upon the possible even probable results of a quarrel born of such circumstances the combat which would ensue would cost this pure young girl her reputation martial would talk of it and country people are pitiless he saw this girl whom he looked so devotedly upon become the talk of the neighborhood saw the finger of scorn pointed at her and possessed sufficient self-control to master his anger all these reflections had occupied only half a second then politely touching his hat and stepping toward martial you are a stranger monsieur said he in a voice which was frightfully altered and you have doubtless lost your way his words were ill-chosen and defeated his prudent intentions a curt mind your own business would have been less wounding he forgot that this word stranger was the most deadly insult that one could cast in the face of the former emigre who had returned with the allied armies still the young marquis did not change his insolently nonchalant attitude he touched the visor of his hunting cap with his finger and replied it is true i have lost my way agitated as Marianne was she could not fail to understand that her presence was all that restrained the hatred of these two young men their attitude the glance with which they measured each other did not leave the shadow of a doubt on that score if one was ready to spring upon the other the other was on the alert ready to defend himself the silence of nearly a moment which followed was as threatening as the profound calm which precedes the storm martial was the first to break it a peasant's directions are not generally remarkable for their clearness he said lightly and for more than an hour i have been seeking the house to which monsieur lacheneur has retired ah i am sent to him by the duc de sairmeuse my father knowing what he did maurice supposed that these strangely rapacious individuals had some new demand to make i thought said he that all relations between m lacheneur and m de sairmeuse were broken off last evening at the house of the abbe this was said in the most provoking manner and yet martial never so much as frowned he had sworn that he would remain calm and he had strength enough to keep his word if these relations as god forbid have been broken off he replied believe me monsieur d'escorval it is no fault of ours then it is not as people say what people who the people here in the neighborhood ah and what do these people say the truth that you have been guilty of an offence which a man of honour could never forgive nor forget the young marquis shook his head gravely you are quick to condemn sir he said coldly permit me to hope that monsieur lacheneur will be less severe than yourself and that his resentment just i confess will vanish before he hesitated before a truthful explanation such an expression from the lips of this haughty young aristocrat was it possible martial profited by the effect he had produced to advance toward marie-anne and addressing himself exclusively to her seemed after that to ignore the presence of maurice completely for there has been a mistake a misunderstanding mademoiselle he continued do not doubt it the sairmeuse are not ingrates. How could anyone have supposed that we would intentionally give offense to a devoted friend of our family and that at a moment when he had rendered us a most signal service? A true gentleman like my father and a hero of probity like yours cannot fail to esteem each other. I admit that in the scene of yesterday, Monsieur de sairmeuse did not appear to advantage but the step he takes today proves his sincere regret certainly this was not the cavalier tone which he had employed in addressing marie-anne for the first time on the square in front of the church he had removed his hat he remained half inclined before her and he spoke in a tone of profound respect as though it were a haughty duchess and not the humble daughter of that rascal lacheneur whom he was addressing was it only a roue's manoeuvre, or had he also involuntarily submitted to the power of this beautiful girl it was both and it would have been difficult for him to say where the voluntary ended and where the involuntary began he continued my father is an old man who has suffered cruelly exile is hard to bear but if sorrows and deceptions have embittered his character they have not changed his heart his apparent imperiousness and arrogance conceal a kindness of heart which i have often seen degenerate into positive weakness and why should i not confess it the duc de sairmeuse with his white hair still retains the illusions of a child he refuses to believe that the world has progressed during the past twenty years moreover people had deceived him by the most absurd fabrications to speak plainly even while we were in montaignac monsieur lacheneur's enemies succeeded in prejudicing my father against him one would have sworn that he was speaking the truth so persuasive was his voice so entirely did the expression of his face his glance and his gestures accord with his words and maurice who felt who was certain that the young man was lying impudently lying was abashed by this scientific prevarication which is so universally practised in good society and of which he was entirely ignorant but what did the marquis desire here and why this farce need i tell you mademoiselle he resumed all that i suffered last evening in the little drawing-room in the presbytery no never in my whole life can i recollect such a cruel moment i understood and i did honour to monsieur lacheneur's heroism hearing of our arrival he without hesitation without delay hastened to voluntarily surrender a princely fortune and he was insulted this excessive injustice horrified me and if i did not openly protest against it if i did not show my indignation it was only because contradiction drives my father to the verge of frenzy and what good would it have done for me to protest the filial love and piety which you displayed were far more powerful in their effect than any words of mine would have been you were scarcely out of the village before monsieur de sairmeuse already ashamed of his injustice said to me i have been wrong but i am an old man it is hard for me to decide to make the first advance you marquis go and find monsieur lacheneur and obtain his forgiveness marie-anne redder than a peony and terribly embarrassed lowered her eyes i thank you monsieur she faltered in the name of my father oh do not thank me interrupted martial earnestly it will be my duty on the contrary to render you thanks if you can induce monsieur lacheneur to accept the reparation which is due him and he will accept it if you will only condescend to plead our cause who could resist your sweet voice your beautiful beseeching eyes however inexperienced maurice might be he could no longer fail to comprehend martial's intentions this man whom he mortally hated already dared to speak of love to marie-anne and before him maurice in other words the marquis not content with having ignored and insulted him presumed to take an insolent advantage of his supposed simplicity the certainty of this insult sent all his blood in a boiling torrent to his brain he seized martial by the arm and with irresistible power whirled him twice around then threw him more than ten feet exclaiming this last is too much marquis de sairmeuse maurice's attitude was so threatening that martial fully expected another attack the violence of the shock had thrown him down upon one knee without rising he lifted his gun ready to take aim it was not from anything like cowardice on the part of the marquis de sairmeuse that he decided to fire upon an unarmed foe but the affront which he had received was so deadly and so ignoble in his opinion that he would have shot maurice like a dog rather than feel the weight of his finger upon him again this expression of anger from maurice marie had been expecting and hoping for every moment she was even more inexperienced than her lover but she was a woman and could not fail to understand the meaning of the young marquis he was evidently paying his court to her and with what intentions it was only too easy to divine her agitation while the marquis spoke in a more and more tender voice changed first to stupor then to indignation as she realized his marvelous audacity after that how could she help blessing the violence which put an end to a situation which was so insulting for her and so humiliating for maurice an ordinary woman would have thrown herself between the two men who were ready to kill each other marie-anne did not move a muscle was it not the duty of maurice to protect her when she was insulted who then if not he should defend her from the insolent gallantry of this libertine she would have blushed she who was energy personified to love a weak and pusillanimous man but any intervention was unnecessary maurice comprehended that this was one of those affronts which the person insulted must not seem to suspect under penalty of giving the offending party the advantage he felt that marie must not be regarded as the cause of the quarrel. His instant recognition of the situation proved a powerful reaction in his mind, and he recovered as if by magic his coolness and the free exercise of his faculties. Yes, he resumed defiantly, this is hypocrisy enough to dare to prate of reparation after the insults that you and yours have inflicted is adding intentional humiliation to insult i will not permit it martial had thrown aside his gun he now rose and brushed the knee of his pantaloons to which a few particles of dust had adhered with a phlegm whose secret he had learned in england he was too discerning not to perceive that maurice had disguised the true cause of his outburst of passion but what did it matter to him had he avowed it the marquis would not have been displeased yet it was necessary to make some response and to preserve the superiority which he imagined he had maintained up to that time you will never know monsieur he said glancing alternately at his gun and at marie-anne all that you owe to mademoiselle lacheneur we shall meet again i hope you have made that remark before maurice interrupted tauntingly nothing is easier than to find me the first peasant you meet will point out the house of baron d'escorval eh bien sir i cannot promise that you will not see two of my friends oh whenever it may please you certainly but it would gratify me to know by what right you make yourself the judge of monsieur lacheneur's honor and take it upon yourself to defend what has not been attacked who has given you this right from martial's sneering tone maurice was certain that he had overheard at least a part of his conversation with marie-anne my right he replied is that of friendship if i tell you that your advances are unwelcome it is because I know that M. Lacheneur will accept nothing from you, no, nothing, under whatever guise you may offer these alms, which you tender merely to appease your own conscience. He will never forgive the affront, which is his honour and your shame. Ah, you thought to degrade him, Messieurs de Sairmeuse, and you have lifted him far above your more grandeur. He receive anything from you? go learn that your millions will never give you a pleasure equal to the ineffable joy he will feel when seeing you roll by in your carriage he says to himself those people owe everything to me his burning words vibrated with such intensity of feeling that Marianne could not resist the impulse to press his hand and this gesture was his revenge upon martial who turned pale with passion but i have still another right continued maurice my father yesterday had the honor of asking m the hand of his daughter and i refused it cried a terrible voice marie-anne and both young men turned with the same movement of alarm and surprise Monsieur lacheneur stood before them and by his side was chanlouineau who surveyed the group with threatening eyes yes i refused it resumed monsieur lacheneur and i do not believe that my daughter will marry any one without my consent what did you promise me this morning marie-anne can it be you you who grant a rendezvous to gallants in the forest return to the house instantly but father return he repeated with an oath return i command you she obeyed and departed not without giving maurice a look in which he read a farewell that she believed would be eternal as soon as she had gone perhaps twenty paces monsieur lacheneur with folded arms confronted maurice as for you monsieur d'escorval said he rudely i hope that you will no longer undertake to prowl around my daughter i swear to you monsieur oh no oaths if you please it is an evil action to endeavor to turn a young girl from her duty which is obedience you have broken forever all relations between your family and mine the poor youth tried to excuse himself but monsieur lacheneur interrupted him enough enough said he go back to your home and as maurice hesitated he seized him by the collar and dragged him to the little footpath leading through the grove it was the work of scarcely ten seconds And yet he found time to whisper in the young man's ear in his formerly friendly tones go you little wretch do you wish to render all my precautions useless he watched maurice as he disappeared bewildered by the scene he had just witnessed and stupefied by what he had just heard and it was not until he saw that young d'escorval was out of hearing that he turned to martial as i have had the honor of meeting you monsieur le marquis said he i deem it my duty to inform you that chupin and his sons are searching for you everywhere it is at the insistence of the duke your father who is anxious for you to repair at once to the chateau de courtornieu he turned to chanlouineau and added we will now proceed on our way but martial detained him with a gesture i am much surprised to hear that they are seeking me said he my father knows very well where he sent me i was going to your house monsieur and at his request to my house to your house yes monsieur to express our sincere regret at the scene which took place at the presbytery last evening and without waiting for any response martial with wonderful cleverness and felicity of expression began to repeat to the father the story which he had just related to the daughter according to his version his father and himself were in despair how could monsieur lacheneur suppose them guilty of such black ingratitude why had he retired so precipitately the duc de held at monsieur lacheneur's disposal any amount which it might please him to mention sixty a hundred thousand francs even more but monsieur lacheneur did not appear to be dazzled in the least and when martial had concluded he replied respectfully but coldly that he would consider the matter this coldness amazed He did not conceal the fact when the Marquis, after many earnest protestations, at last wended his way homeward. "'We have misjudged these people,' he declared. But Monsieur Lacheneur shrugged his shoulders. "'And so you are foolish enough to suppose that it was to me that he offered all that money? Zounds. I have ears. Ah, well, my poor boy, you must not believe all they hear, if you have. The truth is.' that these large sums were intended to win the favor of my daughter she has pleased this coxcomb of a marquis and he wishes to make her his mistress chanlouineau stopped short with eyes flashing and hands clenched good god he exclaimed prove that and i am yours body and soul to do anything you desire chapter eleven recording by tony oliva